0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to the PackerNet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack. Underscore data. I was convinced I could type and, um, and, uh, I can't even type and talk now. I was convinced I could type and do the intro because it's, it's just like autopilot, but apparently not. I still need way too much brain power to do the, uh, to do the thing. It's amazing. Musicians can like sing and play guitar and like do all this crazy stuff. Like you got two separate hands doing two separate things and then you're singing at the same time. And I can't like do a very basic intro and type Shrine Bowl at the same time. Like, it's just, it's kind of crazy. But um, as I said, there is a uh, a vacation planned. It is today for me, which is uh, whatever today is, Saturday or whatever. Um, Friday? Is it Friday? Is it? I don't know. doesn't matter. Yes, Friday. But um, wife had some errands to run, so we'll be leaving a little bit later. So as, as long as I can get to the point quickly and not waste a lot of time and, you know, Hurry this up. We can uh, we can have a podcast today, so long as there isn't a whole lot of needless filler words that are being said, and uh, we can kind of just get to the point and not waste any time. Then we can uh, we can have a nice little podcast today. But there is a lot to get to, um, and then there's a, there's a ton of draft stuff coming up. So we do have, as I said, the Shrine Bowl, which is what I was typing in. Um, of course, their website doesn't work, which is great because you know it's not like anybody's trying to get some information on the frickin' event that's coming up very soon. But we got that. We got the Senior Bowl. I do want to try to talk about that a little bit today. Um, lots of big NFL news, um, head coaching stuff. But anyways, why don't we get started with that? Um, so one of the big surprises, the Atlanta Falcons, apparently what had happened was it, it was supposedly a certainty that um, the new head coach was going to be Bill Belichick. And that surprised the living crap out of me because I just I didn't understand it. First of all, like I said, I thought Bill Belichick was just going to retire, but apparently he was determined to be a head coach, but why the Falcons? Well, it turns out there was a reason for that. The Falcons were really the only team that had any interest, and it wasn't even the Falcons. It was the Falcons' owner only, and apparently the rest of the staff had to convince the owner to just please, to to plead with him, essentially, to allow them to bring in other candidates to show that there are better candidates than Bill Belichick. And so they put that on pause, they allowed some other people to come in, they interviewed them, and they were able to convince him that Raheem Morris was going to be a better option than Bill Belichick. So there was a surprise hiring of of Raheem Morris as head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, and now it's seeming as though, we'll see how it goes, Bill Belichick is headed toward at least pausing, if not just completely retiring. According to, well, seemingly Bill Belichick wants to retire for like a year and see what opportunities arise after that. But you know the, the general consensus, and this is usually how this always goes, is fans think a certain way, a bunch of information is just handed to us, and we refuse to acknowledge it and just go, wow, the NFL is stupid. Listen, <laughs> the, the assumption is Bill Belichick is the greatest coach of all time. He's a super genius, and he would be the greatest coach. He would go in and fix everything. He could go anywhere just about and just turn it into an elite program. The NFL just told you, no, he can't. The NFL is telling you, this ain't the guy. Nobody wants Bill Belichick. That's the information. And instead, it's kind of like, wow, everybody's so stupid. Can't believe this. Falcons made a mistake, and now he's going to like go into retirement. I, 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 everybody's missing the point here. So that was the point. Bill Belichick, and, and again, it explained my question of why is he so hell-bent on the Falcons? I don't I don't really understand the connection. There wasn't a connection. The only connection was it was the only team that had any interest, and again, it wasn't the team. The team had no interest. The owner did. Because you know how owners are. They don't actually know anything. So an owner saw Bill Belichick. Owners are like fans. They're, they're just like really rich fans. And they're like, dude, bro, Bill Belichick, it'd be crazy. And I, everybody on staff is like, listen, no. Nope 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 don't want him bad decision don't do it so and 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 look I mean a massive hit to his reputation over the last several years now it could be in part you know how much it would cost to bring him in in part what kind of um uh what what he wants to do maybe he also wants to be in control of personnel which would be a, a big no-no nobody wants him making personnel decisions anymore the guy hasn't had a good draft pick and I don't know how long I understand, I mean, this is the thing. I mean, his his name carries a lot of weight as it should. He is a legendary coach, but that doesn't mean that you're legendary forever. Sometimes the league passes you by. And the fact of the matter is the Patriots have been terrible ever since Tom Brady left. And I think that took a massive hit to his reputation and people started to look at it as though, you know, he did some he did some good work with defenses. But, you know, without Tom Brady, they haven't had anything even resembling a competent offense, and even the defenses now are not necessarily uh, the most formidable in the NFL anymore, so you're looking maybe at at sort of a, a culture hiring so i, I, I again it, it's not it's not me necessarily saying it it's me telling you that that's what the NFL is telling you. The NFL has decided that this is not the guy anymore, and there's a lot of teams that need a lot of help and apparently are just not interested and that's surprising. But that is the message. Um, in other news, the Carolina Panthers decided to hire Dave Canales. So they did not deci- decide to go ahead and hire um, Ajiro Evero. But they did say that they're planning on keeping the entire defensive staff on board. Now, obviously, Ajiro Evero could just say, F you, I'm going to go somewhere else. But it doesn't sound like that's going to be the case. And so he will be staying in Carolina um, under Dave Canales. And then another pretty big, at least a shocker to me. I, I was very surprised. Jim Harbaugh was hired as the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, there are probably some people that pay very close attention to college football that are not necessarily surprised by this. Um, I, I know there have been some rumors about him ducking some um, potential consequences. I don't know if that's said more or less in jest or if that's a very real thing that he's escaping college because of uh, everything there. But I was stunned because. You know, I know that that was his dream job, and then he finally took his team, the 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 job he's always wanted. He finally took them to the pinnacle, and then he just flees and goes and get a gets a job with just a crap organization like the Chargers. I mean, I understand they have a quarterback and all, but uh, an- an- I mean, just a lot of surprises for me. <laughs> I was, I mean, Bill Belichick is apparently unwanted. Um, I mean, Raheem Morris. I I don't understand that hiring. Dave Canales was a surprising hire. Um, I'm surprised to find out Jim Harbaugh is coming back, and he decided to come back to the Chargers. Like, okay, uh, the Raiders brought in General Manager Tom Telesco, who is just, I mean, he has a horrific track record. But I don't. I guess I don't expect the Raiders to make good decisions. So that that one, I guess, isn't super surprising. Uh, the Patriots moving forward with Jared Mayo as the head coach. That one isn't as surprising. We'll see how that goes. Um, Vic Fangio is with the Eagles now. I know a lot of Packer fans were all the way out on that anyways. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, look, everybody wanted to be Vic Fangio. And so they brought in all these guys that could like replicate Vic Fangio. So getting the actual Vic Fangio would not necessarily be a terrible thing. However, there's still a question of, has the league passed him by? When was the last time Vic Fangio put together an elite defense? I mean, obviously with the Bears he did for that one year, and then he got hired away as a head coach, and that was a failure. Then he went to where? Miami. Well, that wasn't a very good defense. And maybe he just needed more time, I don't know, but it really wasn't. And now he's going to the Eagles, which is probably going to be better than Sean Desai, but I, just, I don't know that Vic Fangio is going to be able to put together the most premier defense in the NFL anymore. I just, I don't know but Fangio wanted to be in Philly. It's where his family is. It's where he's originally from. So, uh, you know, sounds like he just contacted Philly. He found out there was a vacancy. He's like, Hey, look, um, I want to move home. I'm getting old. I want to be with my family. And, um, if you're willing, like, I'll just, I'll just make the move. And, um, Miami said, okay. And Philadelphia said, okay. And so it was just kind of a match there. I don't know how good of a pick that would have been. I really don't. Um, again, I'm I'm not like anti Vic Fangio's scheme because I I think it's untrue that the scheme is flawed. I just think we didn't have a guy that could properly run it, but I, I, I genuinely don't know if that, I mean, if Vic Fangio is the best of the best at, at implementing a quote unquote Vic Fangio scheme, and that scheme hasn't really been on top since 2018, I don't know. And, And, and that's not even necessarily true because we saw success with the Rams and things like that, uh later on. But I mean, even that was what, 2020, 20, something like that. I mean, the last two years, I don't know if there's a Fangio defense that's been top 10. I mean, San Francisco, Buffalo, Philly, Dallas, New England, the Jets, Cincinnati, Baltimore, New Orleans, Washington. I don't know what they all do, but to my knowledge, they're not doing that. So 2021 was when LA was third. So, you know, we're going into a season in which that was three years ago. And again, I I could be wrong. There might have been a a, a team. There's so much turnover. I don't remember who's who and who's in what tree and everything else. But um, just to my generalized knowledge, and maybe maybe there's some similar type of things, but in terms of like genuine, you know, obviously there's a lot of cover two type stuff, but like Vic Fangio defense, um, you know, 2023 was Baltimore-Cleveland, the Jets-San francisco Dallas, Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Las Vegas, New England, Jacksonville were the top 10. I mean, I know the top five don't do what Fangio does. Again, there, there's some similarities with San Francisco, but it's clearly not a Fangio defense. Pittsburgh doesn't. I don't think Spagnolo. I don't know what he does in Kansas City. He's been over there for a while now. No, no, he's very different. So, you know, I I, I don't know. It, it's hard to say, you know, there, there's constant evolution. And it's hard to know definitively. I mean, you'd have to be deep into like what offenses are working and why and what defenses are are best adept at at stopping it. Because again, you look at the top five, top 10, these are not the same defenses. Now, is there some overlap in terms of like, this is what's working and this is what's not? You know, again, one of the common things I have seen when I've looked at a lot of the successful defenses, even though they all relatively seem the same in terms of everybody's trying to kind of do the same thing. Is that you know? Vic Fangio is very vanilla. That that was one of his his hallmark things. Like you're not getting a ton of multiple fronts and all this kind of stuff. I mean, obviously there's nickel where you're in like a, a a different front, but in terms of like hybrid three four four three type stuff, exotic blitzes, aggressiveness, that's not really what they do. It's very we run out of out of our base a lot if we can. I mean, obviously again, it's 2023, so we're talking nickel a ton. But we just kind of are what we are, and we 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 try to mix it up from there. We show you different looks from the same standard thing. And I think most of the teams right now that are at the top defensively are very, you know, again not trying to say well you you got to run man or but 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 they are a little bit more varied in their zone and man. They're much they they mix and match more. And 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 the other thing that that seems to be prevalent is adapting more to your opponent as opposed to this is just what we are. Being able to do different stuff. I mean, it sounds intuitive. It sounds pretty straightforward. But again, if you want to run Vic Fangio's scheme, I mean there there is an element of okay, we're we're doing a little bit of bend, don't break, we're trying to get home with just the front guys that we have. We're not doing a ton of exotic blitzes. It's it's pretty vanilla stuff. And and again, a lot of the top teams that you see are not necessarily built that way. Some might be. Again, San Francisco's relatively similar in that. But anyways. The point is if you're if you want to give this scheme another shot there is nobody better than Vic Fangio to come in and do it right. You know cuz I mean he he is the guy. But I also don't want to act as though like he is the guy defensively. He is the guy for running this style of defense. Um Tennessee Titans moved forward with Brian Callahan as the head coach. He was the Bengals offensive coordinator. So it's his first time um as a head coach. A lot of a lot of not super big names, but again, a lot of guys that are, I mean, the, the NFL is moving in a, in a very clear direction, and I think that the clear direction is we don't want the old retread guys. We want the young up-and-comers, and I, I think that is the right way to go. Now, Harbaugh is a little bit different, but, but to call him just like an old retread, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he was a wildly successful head coach before he went to college, so I don't know if he can still get it done. We'll have to see. I have my doubts, certainly, but it's a slightly different situation. And then other than that, Washington is uh, starting to hone in on some stuff. It seemed like a foregone conclusion that Dan Quinn was going to be headed to Seattle, but it's looking closer and closer like that could be Washington. However, um, nothing yet as of the Green Bay Packers, which I I guess is a little bit surprising. Now, granted, I'm sure they're making phone calls. I'm sure they're having tons of meetings and trying to put together a a list, which I'm sure has already been put together. I'd be surprised if they're starting from ground zero here, but... um, Making phone calls in terms of asking around and trying to figure out the best possible person putting together some criteria or whatever, but but they do kind of need to get the let out a little bit. Lots of teams out there um, looking for defensive coordinators have already had interviews, scheduled interviews, and um, you know I know the the Packers are a very tight lipped organization. It's hard to get information out of there, but um, that doesn't mean on the other side the information wouldn't have leaked, and especially if you're talking about agents being involved. I mean, you call a head coach or a, a linebackers coach or whatever, um, that information is going to get to one of these guys one way or another in terms of um, wanting to get the news out. Because these guys, that's the thing, they, they want to have hype, right? So if if somebody's being called by the Packers for the defensive coordinator position and it's the second interview that they've had, Dude, you want the world to know that because you want to build momentum. You want to make sure that you're going to get a job. You want other people to call you. You want more heads to turn in your direction. You want to put pressure on the other team to lock you down. So um, bottom line is I don't think the Packers have officially scheduled any um, anything quite yet. And again, I, I do think that they need to kind of hurry up with this process a little bit. I know you want to get it right, but you don't want the person gone by the time you figure out who the best candidate would have been, and people are starting to get locked up pretty rapidly here. I know it's starting with head coaches, fortunately. Head coaches, GMs, and all that are, are going the quickest, but um, coordinators are also starting to get locked up. Um, I don't think anybody necessarily has been locked up that the Packers would have been 100% in on. Obviously, you wonder about Fangio, but he was never really an option, so... um We'll see. Uh, there, there are a couple names I want to get to as far as defensive coaches. And again, I want to really hammer this because, you know, eventually, I would assume in the near future, they are going to hire someone. And I just want to make sure that we are as thorough as possible with this. So when a new name is added, I want to get to it. But um, why don't we take a break first? We'll come back. We'll get to that and some other Packers news and whatnot. If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy, or hit me up on Venmo Packernet podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. So I first want to head over to Patreon. I did ask a couple days ago, Joe Barry's out. Who do you want as the new defensive coordinator? Brandon said um, Zimmer would be cool. My guess would be Evero. I don't think he gets a head coaching gig, so uh, he wouldn't stay as DC, would he? Well, apparently the answer is yes, he would. And again, with Mike Zimmer, number one, again, as far as the whole league has passed you by thing, I mean, when was the last time the Vikings were on top defensively? Been a long time. Uh, I just, I don't know. Maybe he would, maybe it would still work. Maybe it wouldn't. I don't know. I just look at things in terms of constantly evolving um, and asking a guy to do what he did five, six, seven years ago, see if he can maybe implement that here, which is a, a very different thing than what we've got going on and could take some time to implement to see if maybe it still works and maybe he's still as good as he used to be, which isn't a guarantee. On top of that, the guy has a serious attitude problem. He treated his players like crap in Minnesota. He threw them under the bus, openly talked trash about them, and um, he seems to have a pretty bad relationship with Matt LaFleur. I just, I don't have any desire for Mike Zimmer whatsoever. Drew says, Jim Leonard. Let me throw out a name any people haven't heard. Eric Washington. So we'll add those to the list. Again, we, we have talked about Jim Leonard, but as I said, I want to go over that again because I don't exactly remember why I hated it so much. Um, I do know that it was, I mean, it's derived from Mike Pettin's scheme, but there's been a lot of adaptation to it. I know one of the the biggest issues I had is just the way that they played in Wisconsin was just not really doable in the NFL. I mean, the inside and outside linebackers were like completely interchangeable. And if you don't like Preston Smith in coverage, you are going to hate Jim Leonard. That's the whole thing. I mean, your outside linebackers have to sometimes drop as though they are inside guys, and your inside guys have to be able to rush like your outside guy. Now, it's great if you can do that because to predict what they're doing between the four linebackers, you never know. They, they might be, you know, they'll, they'll mug all four of them. You know, so you'll have your two guys on the edge, you got your two other guys on the inside, and it's like maybe one of them's going to drop, maybe two, maybe three, maybe four, but you don't know which ones. You don't know who's dropping and who's staying, and it creates so many problems. Because you have to act as though, you have to call your protections and everything else as though they're all coming. You don't know who blocks who. Your communication up front is completely ruined. But if you know your two edge guys are going to be coming and probably not dropping, and if they do drop, they're completely inept and we've got an immediate matchup we like, and you know almost certainly both of these linebackers, or at least one, is going to drop because they have to in coverage, you know, the the whole thing kind of goes out the window. So doing what they did in Madison is just not an option. It's not a thing. You, you don't have, you know, 235-pound edge rushers in the NFL. It's not going to work. So, you know, would he do something different? Of course he would. He would do something different here, but I don't know what that would look like. It wouldn't be like what you saw in Wisconsin. It would probably end up looking more like the kind of stuff we saw from Joe Barry and Mike Pettin. And, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, Carlo says, uh, Ravens inside linebacker coach Zachary Orr, or defensive backs coach Denard Wilson. So I will say this. And it's for a pretty petty and stupid reason, and so I'm not going to elaborate on it. I don't think Zach Rior is going to be the guy. I just don't. I, I don't see him being the guy out front that is the leader of a defense. Then again, it's for a very stupid reason. Let's just say I saw a video of the guy, and it's like, I'm sorry. I'm not seeing it. I'm, I'm not getting that like, this is the freaking commando. This is the guy that that is going to just absolutely dominate a locker room. And he demands your attention when he walks into a room kind of a thing. I, I don't see that from Zachary Orr. Denard Wilson, maybe. Um, Mark says Jesse Minter. A lot of talk about Jesse Minter. I, the problem I have with with college guys is that it's... And I don't want to dismiss it out of hand, but there, there's so many times you look at it and it's like, well, he does a great job in college, therefore he'd be great in the NFL. It's it's completely different. To me, it's kind of like trying to evaluate a uh, like a... a Division two football player. it's like, well, he was elite. It's like, I know he's elite, but it's different. It's not, you know, that doesn't tell me a ton. He dominated bad competition. And he's not just jumping from that to like the freaking SEC or, you know, Big Ten, I guess. He's going straight to the NFL. I mean, it's multiple levels of complexity here. I, I just, I, it's so hard. Like, okay, Minter was great. Like, Okay. What does that have anything to do with the NFL? Because it's different offenses. Like the, the NFL offenses are different. NFL offensive coordinators are different. Maybe you could say that, you know, the, 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 the big 10, you know, like Ohio state type of uh, teams are more NFL ish. So there's some overlap there. I don't, I don't know. Uh, JJ Weber says, if we want to dip into the college ranks, we might want to look at Glenn, uh, Glenn Schumann. I have seen his name as well. He's from Georgia, Phil Parker of Iowa and or Joe Rossi of Minnesota. All three have uh, been pretty impressive on the NCAA level and might be a good transition to the NFL. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, I don't think we're going into the college ranks. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think there's a lot of capable NFL people who have been working up the NFL ranks, have been learning NFL defensive schemes, have been learning to scheme against NFL-style offenses, which which is what you want. You want somebody that understands NFL offenses and how to beat them. You know, that's why if if, if it is 49ers Baltimore in the Super Bowl and Baltimore ends up winning and they, they have a good showing against, you know, the... Uh, the the Chiefs and against the 49ers, you better believe that the Ravens coaches are going to be in high demand because they've demonstrated their ability specifically to stop top NFL offenses. So, you know, Minnesota's ability to stop, you know, Iowa and Wisconsin and everything is cool, I guess. But eh, I don't know. And again, if I had to put a college guy to the top of the list, it would be Jim Leonard. And the reason is because we already know Matt LaFleur wanted Jim Leonard. The rumor is, at least, that he was number one on the list, and he would have been our defensive coordinator if he didn't shoot us down, which resulted in us getting Joe Barry. But outside of that, I just really, really, really doubt that we're going to dip into the college ranks. And as you can see, like that, that hasn't happened. I mean, aside from Harbaugh, not, not, a, not, not a GM, not a head coach, not a offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. I haven't seen a single hire or even interview for anybody in the college ranks at all. It's just not the way that typically they want to go. Now, there are going to be exceptions. There are going to be truly elite guys. And I know a lot of people think Jesse Minter is that guy that, you know, truly premier defensive mind. And, and there's certainly room for just understanding that there are some guys that are just freaking wizards and they're great leaders and they're great play callers and they're just brilliant in their understanding of defense and concepts and they're innovators and i think guys like that should be considered but i just think there are there are massive hurdles there and and the other hurdle is does jesse mincer even want to go to the nfl he might be looking at becoming a head coach of a of a college program or something sometime i mean some guys that's that's their goal it's not nfl it's college so i don't know uh, JJ Weber also says, I wonder if we could consider Wink Martindale, who the Giants, uh, dismissed, even though he is considered pretty cutting edge and successful. And, and technically the Giants, I don't, I mean, well, maybe they ultimately did dismiss him, but I mean, Wink basically just got up and stormed out of the room and said, F you guys. So, I, I mean, I, I don't know that he necessarily got fired. Um, but again, you're, you're talking about, I mean, Wink is tough because he's kind of reminds me of Zimmer in a way. He's like Zimmer, but a guy that I would at least consider insofar as I I do believe his defense still works. And I do believe he is that guy that can walk in and command a room. I think he could be a great leader. I think he is a great play caller. I think he's demonstrated all the right things, but he also does seem to be a little volatile. I don't know what his relationship would be like with, with Matt LaFleur, or if he would even want to work with a guy like Matt LaFleur, because obviously they're very different styles, and even in terms of like... The expectation of conduct. I feel like Wink would would uh, want an exception. <laughs> like maybe that's how you treat the players. I'm going to be a little different, and and that's just the way that I am. And then again, I, I just don't think the the ending to his term with Balt with Baltimore or the Giants was super amicable. I could be wrong about Baltimore, but even the way that um you know the way that that ended, the the phrasing was that they agreed to part ways. Maybe that's just Baltimore being polite and allowing him to take some credit for leaving when really they just fired him. But um, that's that's two times he's essentially been, um, at least in some part, the reason that he left. And I don't mean like the reason he got fired. I mean, he walked away from the last two teams. It, it just, it's a very weird thing. It just doesn't feel like a fit, I guess. it, it, it As much as you'd like a guy like Wink Martindale to, to change the culture of a defense— I just feel like when you look at Matt LaFleur and the, the culture of Green Bay, would they be willing to kind of bring that more cutting edge? You know, the guy that's going to go to the podium and say some stuff that's going to kind of, you're probably going to have to walk back some comments or at least have something where you go to the podium and be like, look, Wink's going to say some Wink stuff, man. I, You know, it is what it is. I just, I don't think they're going to do it. And then Craig says, Anthony Weaver, Ravens assistant head coach slash defensive line coach might be interesting given their history. And I agree with that. And again. Uh, watch what Baltimore does, and if their defense shines through these next this next game, assuming they win, uh, and and game after that, I think a guy like Anthony Weaver is going to be in high demand because everyone's going to be looking at Baltimore and saying, "I want to do that." All right, so um, kind of going through some of these guys, you know, again, Jim Leonard. If we kind of zoom out a little bit and, and remove the whole, you know, again, 245 pound edge rush thing, which is not going to be a thing, and, and you're going to have to find some other ways. The bottom line is, I think the concepts are still going to stay there of, we're going to try to confuse you to not know, first of all, your offensive line, who to block. And then second of all, just, I mean, it's just, it's so much disguising. We're going to blitz you, but you don't know where it's coming from. And you're not going to understand what our coverage is going to be until the last second. Like everything is is very much about confusion. So we're going to mix and match our fronts, very aggressive blitz packages. and And even though, again, maybe the... Inside outside dynamic might not be there. The safeties, the corners, the linebackers—you know—it could come from anywhere. And and you know you're you're getting a, a former DB that that has come up through the DB ranks. So I think you're going to see a lot of um, safety development and probably growth. We're going to find guys that that can come from depth that can play in the linebacker spot, which would also help with this situation. Of blitzing linebackers, if you have if you have hybrid safeties, it's a lot easier to bring Quay if you've got a, a line or a safety that can jump up into that spot. Especially again, you're disguising your coverage. Is that safety going to jump up into the into the box post snap? He's standing there now. Maybe he's going to drop. You know, it's, it's just there, there's all of that kind of complexity. But also with complexity comes a a, uh, a higher ask of your players right? Because there's a lot of different stuff that you're asking your guys to do, including disguised coverages. Your corners and your safeties and your linebackers have to understand, you know, we're, we're going to show man and play zone. We're going to show zone, play man. We're going to show this and play this. And a lot of that is based on what the offense is doing. We're going to call this play. We're going to show this because it's what I called. But then based on their formation, based on their motion, based on all these things, we're going to make changes and we're going to do it on the fly because everything's post-snap because we're trying to confuse these guys. And so communication and all that stuff has to be at a premium. And let's be honest, that's been a big question mark for this defense to begin with. Maybe that's a Joe Barry problem. Maybe that's who our current cornerbacks coaches are and all our underlings have just done a terrible job of being able to communicate to these guys, and maybe somebody like Leonard to be able to do a better job, especially with the guys that he brings in. Hopefully, who would be able to articulate these things better. Um, so, I mean, it, listen, it's it's an exciting thing. I mean, I'm, I, again, I'm not super big on on Jim Leonard because I, I worry about his ability to translate, and I also worry about just the the. At, but but honestly, that's the same for anybody. Like, if you want to run a really complex and really dangerous scheme. You have to put more on your players. I mean, that's one of the benefits of a Vic Fangio scheme, uh, shockingly, is that the simplicity makes it a little bit easier for for your players. And we still saw p- players just not able to execute it. So, you know, we're going to add layers of complexity, whether that's Jim Leonard or somebody else. Um, I think with a guy like Leonard, it's it's a very high level of complexity, which is why, I mean, the defenses work so well. You know, I mean, it's really hard to play against because it's really hard to, to break down and and um and read and I, I also just wanted to touch on on something because i know jj and i were talking about it a little bit um and i saw um a comment that was made by uh cory about you know if he wants to get back into the nfl he's got to be like a, a assistant linebackers coach or something first of all i don't even exactly know where that comment's coming from i mean if he comes to the nfl it will be a to, to be a defensive coordinator but his current position is senior football analyst at Illinois. And I think there might be, at least for some people, a misconception that that is a, a step down, that you know he's not even good enough to be a defensive coordinator anymore, and so he took a, a step down. And so now if he wants to do anything, like he has to get back to being a defensive coordinator and proving, he, that's not the case at all. The bottom line is when Wisconsin went in a different direction, he had to figure out what to do. I'm sure the NFL was an option. I'm sure he had a lot of defensive coordinator offers from college programs. I have no doubt about that. He was an unbelievably sec- successful um, coordinator. Even He was even interim head coach for Wisconsin and did a great job of that. But he went to Illinois partially because Brett Bielema was there. He had some familiarity there, and I'm sure Bielema sold him on something, and that was, come be our senior football analyst. Now, notice, this is not defensive analyst. This is not assistant analyst under the... D- he is the senior football, that's offense and defense. He works directly with the head coach, and his his job entails in, in specifically breaking down football and getting a very, very good understanding. I mean, what he's doing is broadening his understanding of football, and that's what he's done his entire career. You know, he started under, like, the the, the Mike Pettin and Rex Ryan type of guys, right? He, he did all that. He played for Buffalo and Baltimore and the Jets and just these freaking absolutely elite defenses, right? He went back to Cleveland in his final year to go be back. Or actually, he was with uh, Buffalo in 2013. Then went to Cleveland in 2014, following Pettin around because they had such a great relationship. But then when he went to college, like he learned from different guys. He learned from you know uh, Aranda and and you know whoever else, and he pulled from different things. He, he's a very intelligent guy, and so he goes to Illinois to be the senior football analyst to further broaden his understanding of football to make him a better coach to make him more marketable. So. I don't think anybody genuinely believes that he took a step back. I, I think he's he's taking a, or a step down. I think he took a step back to broaden his understanding, to make him a better coach, so that when he reemerges, he's going to be even better. Starting to talk myself into Jim Leonard now, all of a sudden. <laughs> so it's it's a decision to take a, take a step back to further his career. Now, I know there were conversations about him possibly going to be the defensive coordinator over at Colorado. Um I don't think he's coming to Green Bay. I don't think he's he's going to be... I'm, I'm just making it clear. I don't think that's going to be the case. But um, I did want to kind of re uh, reacclimate myself with uh, Jim Leonard. But I, I think if we did go the direction of Jim Leonard, which again, I don't think so, um, I think there really is reason for optimism. I, I think that there's going to be... Everything that Packer fans want, you're going to get in Jim Leonard. You're going to see a more aggressive, more complex, more uh, um, whatever style of, of defense. And the other big thing is, you know, safeties, again, are going to be pivotal. And I think that's going to be a main focus moving forward, which means Brian Gutekunst is going to have to uh, get in his bag and make sure that we have those types of guys. But on top of that, you're also going to, similar to what we had with um, Joe Barry and linebackers, which was an uptick in linebacker play, like we haven't had good linebackers in forever. And then, you know, Joe Barry, despite maybe some people not appreciating him. You know, he did do a good job with the linebackers. We saw an improved play, not even just from, you know, you could say, well, that's because Gutekunst went out and got these guys. I know, but it was it was still, even with the scrubs that we had prior to them, all of a sudden we saw a jump in production from linebackers. So I think there would be a similar jump, potentially at least, with the safeties, which would be pretty exciting. Not to mention you're getting more linebacker blitzes and those kinds of things, which I think Packer fans are pretty excited about. Um, Jesse Minter, and please understand, I am not, this is not my realm, Right. For the Packernet network, you want to talk more to Clayton about these things. So if you have questions, talk to Clayton. <laughs> but I'm doing my best to give you a, a, a very brief overview of um, what to what to expect. Because you know, for example, Jesse Minter, people know that he's good, and I think for a lot of people, that's the only box to check. Like he did a very good job. Boom, check mark. Okay, but what are you getting? Because no matter what, you're getting some overlap with the guys that you had. You're going to get, you know. Anybody running a 3-4, Preston's dropping in coverage. I'm so unbelievably sorry to tell you that but that's going to happen. Maybe not very often, maybe in in maybe slightly not as less opportune times or however you phrase that stupid sentence, but that's just a that's a characteristic. So it's it's good to know what you're getting. So um all right, let's do Jesse Minter real quick. Very different style of defense. It is a um I guess you could say somewhat similar to what the Packers have. He's known for having a 4-2-5 defense with a uh, a 3-4 twist, which I think is just basically known as a 3-4 defense. (laughs) It's a 3-4 defense that's primarily in nickel. Um, I I think you do get some similarities with um, Jim Leonard in terms of a lot of post-snap or very late pre-snap adjustments. I think there's a lot of DB blitzes. So you've got just your base four two five, your four down linemen, your two linebackers, and it looks pretty vanilla. And then you've got a safety charging up to the line along with the linebackers to show an extra three guys. So we got seven guys on the line. But you know, again, to kind of create that whole situation where we got seven guys on the line, but you don't know who's coming and who's not. Maybe all seven do. Maybe a linebacker drops, maybe a safety drops. You don't know. Maybe all of them drop and a corner comes on a blitz. You know what I mean? Like it's it's that kind of stuff. Um, there is an emphasis on speed over size, which would make him compatible with what we have. That is one of the Packers' characteristics. They characterize or they prioritize speed over size, so that would be a pretty smooth transition. Um, heavy reliance on hybrid players. I don't know that we massively have that, so there might need to be some additions. I mean, obviously, we've got some interior guys that have the speed to play on the outside. we got some outside guys with the size to play on the inside. I think we've got the hybrid as far as the defensive front is concerned, but... Aside from that, it may need a little bit of work. But again, one of the, the chief characteristics that you're looking for that I think a lot of Packer fans are excited about, but again, means more reliance on, on good, uh, good play from your players, is very aggressive, very versatile, and very deceptive. Pre-snap and post-snap are very different. We show one thing, we do something completely different. You know, it looks like we're not coming and we bring the house. It looks like we're bringing everybody and we drop everybody. But sometimes we did it, did it, did, did You know what I mean? It's just it's just a freaking nightmare to figure out what these guys are doing. But I, I think an, a, another characteristic that he has that, again, you, you expect every coach to do it, but I think some are more known for it than others with Joe Barry being on the not very, not just not good at it, but not willing to do it. And that is adjustments, whether that's in-game or situational, uh, player by player, opponent by opponent. First quarter compared to second quarter first half compared to second half kind of kind of adjustments, I think he's more known at being able to be adaptable and seeing what's working and what's not and and being able to say okay based on what we have based on what they're doing based on what's working and what's not, let's make these adjustments so you know a a lot of this college stuff man it is it is some high wire circus stuff, and um it's great if it works, but it it you just you wonder if you can put that much on uh It's like throwing a haymaker, man. If you connect, it can be a thing of beauty. But if you miss, you look like an idiot, and you face plant on the ground, and then you just get stomped out. Um, Schumann, Glenn Schumann, the Georgia guy, um, again, 3-4 with like 4-3 nickel package stuff. That's pretty standard. A lot of similarities, but I would say it's much closer to what we've um, seen in terms of Joe Barry and Mike Pettin. And I don't even mean necessarily schematically, but when you look at the emphasis, you're you're talking about linebackers that have a lot on their shoulders, that's Joe Barry, Um, expecting to win with the front, that's Pettin and Joe Barry, right? Your your big boys up front got to carry a lot of weight. They got to control the line of scrimmage. They got to be able to generate pressure and stop the run. And again, we've been asking our guys to be able to do that for a long time. Again, Barry and Pettin have been hoping for that, and it's just not been a thing. And then another problem, which again is seemingly what we've been asking our defense to do, but being unable to do, is while the while that's happening up front, you know, your linebackers have to be able to blitz, stop the run, and cover. Your defensive front has to be able to just dominate everything up front. In the back end, it's all about communication. It's all about, you know, depending on what this offense is doing. You need to be able to make split-second decisions and communicate rapidly and make those adjustments. And it's like, that's cool. But, I mean, our linebackers haven't been able to do it. Our defensive front hasn't been able to do it. Our secondary hasn't been able to do that. I mean, we've been asking our guys to do all three of these things and have never seen it. So, I don't know. (laughs) Sounds dope for Georgia when it works. But I don't know. By the way, just backing up a little bit because I didn't really go in depth on on any of the the people outside of you know what they generally ask their guys to do. Um, Jesse Minter has, I mean, he's, he's only forty years old. He's very young. He's kind of new to this, so he has a he, he does fit the qualifications of being a fast riser, and he has spent a good amount of time in the NFL. So he started off defensive intern at Notre Dame, then he went to Cincinnati, Indiana State, Georgia State. He was a DC at Indiana and Georgia State. Then he went to the Baltimore Ravens. He was a defensive assistant there, assistant DB coach in 2019. And then in 2020, he was the Ravens DB coach. Then he goes on to be the defensive coordinator at Vanderbilt for a year. Then he's the defensive coordinator at Michigan. And in 2023, the uh, Michigan defensive coordinator slash interim head coach. I don't know the status of that situation. I don't care to even look, at, look it up, but that's 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 where he's at. So he checks a ton of boxes. Young, fast riser, great defensive mind, spends almost no time at a single job before getting hired away. I mean, it was, what, 2006 to 2011 before he got his first defensive coordinator job. Granted, it's Indiana State, but still, that's kind of a big deal. Does that for two years before getting hired at a new job, and then does that for like five years before the NFL picks him up. Uh, Glenn Schumann was uh, at Alabama for most of his career and then went to Georgia. I mean, those, those are his, that, that's his thing. Alabama for a long time, 2008 to 2014, then Georgia inside linebackers coach to 2016 to 2018, co-defensive coordinator slash inside linebacker coach 2019 to 2022, and then the defensive coordinator this past year. He is only 33 years old. It feels to me like a guy that maybe needs a little bit more time. I mean, you got a guy that at 33 years old is the defensive coordinator for Georgia. That's freaking crazy. I mean, 2019, he was co-defensive coordinator. So what was he, 28 years old when he became technically a defensive coordinator? And then, what, 25 years old when he was the inside linebackers coach for Georgia? Frickin' good lord. But, you know, he, he's got a bright future. I don't exactly know where it is, and I, I just can't imagine he jumps to the NFL as a defensive coordinator right now. But very, very impressive. Um, I'll I tell you what, why don't we take a break? We'll go through uh, a few more of these guys, and then we'll get up on a help. We'll be right back. So the next guy on the list was Phil Parker. Uh, Phil Parker's on the other end of the spectrum. He um, is 60 years old. He got his start in 1987. Was the... My goodness. This is back in the day when guys just, you know, stuck with their careers. Toledo defensive backs coach. From 1988 to 1998. That's 11 seasons. Then... He was the Iowa DB coach from 1999 to 2011. What is that, 13 seasons? So like 25 years, he was at two teams as just a DB coach before finally in 2012 becoming the Iowa defensive coordinator. And then 2013 to present, another 11 seasons, he is the Iowa defensive coordinator slash DB coach. So, I mean, you know, 12 seasons, he's been the Iowa defensive coordinator. Man. I have a hard time believing at 60 years old, a guy that just doesn't make changes in his life is going to make the jump to uh, NFL defensive coordinator, man. And if he does, expect him to live out the remaining days in Green Bay. But uh, Parker is a 4-3 guy. Obviously a defensive backs guy for sure. Uh, Another big, I mean, as far as his defensive coordinator stuff goes, big on defensive line play. Uh, It's a little bit different when you're 4-3. It's, you know... Real big on discipline gap control. You're being tasked with an area and you have to make sure that you control that area. Um, very big cover two zone guy, very heavy zone. Now, he's very good at coaching it and teaching it and making them masters of it. So, again, if you're willing to give this style of play, you know, cover two, cover three zone a chance, maybe he can really get them to master it because I think that's his whole thing is, is really just getting his, especially the DBs to just be fricking wizards in the backfield. They're known for having a high IQ defense. Um, there is, you know, blitzing and whatnot, but it's, it's very selective. It's mostly just about discipline and fundamentals, which again is, you know, it's a four or three, but it's, it's very Fangio-esque in terms of it's it's not creative. It's not fancy. It's not flashy. It's about, we do one thing and we do it really, really well. (laughs) And they, uh, one of the notes here says, Iowa's defense exemplifies a bend but don't break philosophy. So all I can say is, if you like Joe Barry's philosophies, maybe you want to switch up to a 4-3 and you like the whole zone deal, you just want to do it better, might have found your dude. But I don't think there are more than two Packer fans that uh, want to just do what we did but better. I And again, I don't care. I want to do anything as long as we do it well. I couldn't give a crap if it's bend, don't break, or which I don't, again, I don't think that's really a thing. I think it's a consequence of a way of playing football. I don't think you set out to be like, well, we're just going to let him get a bunch of first downs and then then we'll tighten up. But 4-3, 3-4, zone, man, I couldn't give two craps. I just want you to be good at stuff. But I just think there's going to be a strong aversion to this Phil Parker style of defense. Plus, again, I just, I don't think this guy's, he, he's going to do this for another five years and retire. He's not going anywhere. This guy doesn't change jobs. Final college guy that uh, Mr. J.J. brought up was Joe Rossi. Um, it looks like Joe Rossi has accepted a job as the Michigan State defensive coordinator, so he will not be, uh, he will not be coming to the NFL. But I also wanted to highlight uh, Johnny, Holliday, uh, Johnny Holland. It's a guy that, uh, Holiday was a different guy. Johnny Holland is a guy that a lot of people have been talking about potentially. I know uh, Clayton has brought him up recently as somebody to look into. Uh, former Green Bay Packers player. I do remember him very vaguely. It was back in the day where I just, I remember names, but I, I couldn't tell you. I I couldn't even tell you what position these guys were in. I just like, oh yeah, I remember that name. But he played for the Packers from 87 to 1993. He then got into uh, coaching with the Green Bay Packers, defensive quality control coach from 95 to 97. Not a bad thing to have on your resume during the the most dominant Packers defensive run, one of the better defenses the the NFL has seen back when they won that freaking Super Bowl. Uh, He was the special teams coach in 1998 and then the Packers linebackers coach in 99. And he has been coaching ever since, taking a ton of different jobs. Assistant Special Teams and Assistant Strength and Conditioning Coach for Seattle in 2000. Linebackers Coach, then Detroit as a defensive assistant and linebackers coach. Went to Houston as the linebackers coach. Went to be the Virginia Destroyers linebackers coach before coming back to the NFL. Oakland Raiders linebackers coach, then Saskatchewan Roughriders linebackers coach, BC Lions linebacker coach. And then in 2016, he came back into the NFL, and it sounds like it was kind of for good. He must have finally kind of hit his stride. Inside linebackers coach for Cleveland in 2016, linebackers coach for the 49ers in 2017, then outside linebackers coach slash run game specialist for the 49ers 2018 through 2020, And then San Francisco 49ers linebackers coach again, 2021 to present. So I I think the one thing that kind of concerns me, he's 58 years old, and it it sounds like he's having a hard time kind of getting his footing, right? He's sort of ramping up a little bit with the 49ers. Obviously, the 49ers have a great defense, and he's doing doing work with some elite linebackers. Now, I don't necessarily think he gets the credit for it, but um, that still goes on your resume. He also was able to have an opportunity as the outside linebacker's coach, which is a different different deal, right? We're dealing with outside linebackers, but also run game specialist. So that's that's an important role that he that he played. But then again, he went back down to linebacker's coach, which is what he was back in 2017. So it it just feels to me like a guy that's having a hard time getting some traction really moving up From what he was, I mean, he was a Green Bay Packers linebacker coach in 1999, and that's what he is in 2024, essentially, unless he gets another job. He hasn't progressed, aside from a small stint as a run game specialist, which again, he did that for three years and and then is not that anymore. So that's sort of my concern. Now, the benefit, obviously, is, number one, a guy that's had a massive amount of experience. So he draws from a lot of different places, but primarily he's going to be hired because somebody wants a 49ers defense. I again I struggle with believing he's the guy that's going to be able to implement it. I feel like if he had that kind of a mind and was just sort of a defensive genius, he wouldn't have been, you know, struggling to make any progress for the last twenty-five years. And then, you know, again, I mean he gets into the NFL as a linebackers coach and then has to leave and go for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. And and usually when you do that, it's to, you know, you're like the defensive coordinator of the Rough Riders, so that maybe when you come back, you come back stronger. No, he went back to be a linebacker's coach, because apparently in the NFL, he couldn't find even a linebacker's coach anymore, a job. Not trying to be mean to the guy, I'm just saying, you know, when you're looking for somebody that has an exceptional defensive mind, they're in such high demand that they're constantly getting new jobs, but it's not like he's getting new jobs where he's either staying the same or going backwards. It's guys that are constantly moving up. And then they, you know, somebody finally attaches seven different titles to the guy because they're just trying to hang on to him before they finally get hired away as a defensive coordinator. So that is my concern for 58-year-old Johnny Holland. I'd like to see the 49ers give him an opportunity, Um, which again, he he did for a while. He was the, you know, outside linebackers coach slash run game specialist, but he lost that. So it's like, I just, I don't know, man. I guess I just kind of struggle with that one. But you know, going through all these, I think you just kind of realize that th- th- there's there's positives and there's negatives. And um, you know, we we've talked I don't know how many times. There were times when we run complicated defenses, like uh, that was the thing with Dom Capers, like it's too complicated. We just need to simplify. You know, Dom is always trying to be so creative. It's like let's just let's just take it down a notch and get them to be really good at what they do. Like we didn't want creative anymore, and then we get simplified, and it's too simple. We want like complex. We want aggressive. We want oh, all, nah, 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 nah. you know. And then we get it, and the guys can't do it. It's, it's just it doesn't matter. It would be cool to get a guy like Minter or even, uh, you know, Jim Leonard or anybody of the Ravens or or Wink Martindale. I don't freaking care. It, they're all cool defenses if they work, dude. You know, I mean, some are cooler than others. Don't get me wrong. If you're winning and you're, you know, blitzing all the time and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, getting a bunch of picks. I mean, that, that's a that's a better kind of awesome. But, you know, if you're a top three defense, but you don't do crazy stuff, I think you get over it. Uh the only two things else uh, you know what I'll, I'll save that for tomorrow i mean I, I I know I've talked about it I don't know if I talked about it directly on the uh, podcast, but we did bring in a new kicker um I wouldn't read too much into that I mean they knew that there was going to be competition, so they just locked a guy up kind of early to make sure that uh, that we got somebody ready to go so that'll be that'll be the kicker competition but i mean it, it may not even be he might not survive very long before they bring somebody else in and I would expect another kicker my my expectation is is like a a three man kicking competition. And again, I expect Anders Carlson to win that competition. So Uh, nothing super interesting about that kicker. He doesn't have very good stats, which is, as a fan, very frustrating. But again, it's similar to the coaching hiring thing where, you know, we look at the very basic, shallow bit of information. And it's like, we just want a guy with like a 99%, which doesn't exist. But just just find a guy with like the highest, go to the list, who's available, who has the highest, you know, field goal percentage, and just get that guy. Which, to be fair, I mean, there's probably <laughs> something to that. But, um, you know, they're looking at traits and they're looking at all this different stuff and guys that can do, you know, we, I want a kicker that does this, that, or the other. We got to remember we're in Lambeau and, you know, wind and cold and all that and whatever. I don't know. I don't know what they're looking for. And honestly, if I had Rich Passaccia in here and he wanted to do a whole one-hour clinic after about five minutes of him explaining kicking technique and everything that they're looking for, I would fall asleep. Be like, all right, you know what, you know what, sounds like you got a good grasp of what you're looking for, so I'm just gonna let you go ahead and handle that, bud, okay? Holy crap, that was boring. (laughs) Talking about angles and rotation, like, bro, I'm in freaking geometry class, get out of here, I don't, I don't, I don't know what we're doing here, but um, anyways, again, just to be clear, my kids have been barging in here every second, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go, so apparently I have to go, like, pack a bag, which, I don't know why they assume that dad is going to like pack a full suitcase. Like I'm going to get a grocery bag and throw like four things in it. And that's what I'm going to do. And it's going to be lounge clothes because I don't care. But with that said, um, I I don't know what regularity we're going to be getting podcasts. I will do my best. I make no promises, but I will talk to you as soon as I can. Um, I was hoping to get to some senior bowl and, um, shrine bowl action, but we got a little bit of time for that. I actually did a lot of work on (laughs) a lot of work on that and the prospects, but hopefully we can get to it before that actually happens. But you guys have a good rest of your day. I will talk to you whenever I can talk to you. Have a good one.